Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. It wouldn't be much of a Christmas service without reading from Luke chapter 2. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. A couple of things I want to uh, share with you, and then we'll read a little bit more scripture. Is how, how cool is it that I can say that I was just in Bethlehem two weeks ago? <laughs> how cool is that? Huh? That's pretty awesome. And it really is a, a trip of a lifetime. It was wonderful. And I got lots of stories to tell you down the road. But um, there were several things that I, that I learned when I was in, in, in Israel. And one of them I'll tell you about in just a few seconds about the swaddling cloths. But... Why, why, was he, why, why was there no room in the inn, of course, because the census was happening and everybody returned to their hometown. But Joseph had family there, and if he had family there, you would obviously have a place to stay. They would make room for the family. And yet because of his situation, because his wife is betrothed, his fiancée was pregnant, Obviously, that was a very shameful thing in those days especially, and they no doubt were not allowed into the family home because of that situation. So they went to the inn, and there was, of course, no room there, and so they made their way to uh, a stable, really most likely a cave, and um, had Jesus there. In fact, if you go to Bethlehem, which you probably already know this, but I saw it myself that there are surrounding Bethlehem, there, there, it's very hilly country, and, and there are caves just everywhere, just everywhere. In fact, we went into one of them um, uh, on the, the hillside where the shepherds received the news that we're about to read. And if you go into these caves, they would also, they would obviously put livestock in there and things of that nature, but they'd also stay in there and they would keep warm and there would be fires. In fact, the cave that we went into, the entire roof of the cave was just black from them burning, uh, you know, so many fires just to keep warm. And you think, well, is it really cold there? <laughs> it's cold. It, um, it, it was very chilly when we were there, uh, just there, uh, so much so that. Uh, I forgot to take a jacket, and I was freezing. And you know I don't get that cold. And um, 
What's a big man to do in Israel when they don't have my size? They had a Columbia store pretty close by, and um, I had the, the wonderful opportunity of, of purchasing a Columbia fleece jacket that actually fit for the very low price of $85. And it was worth every penny because it was so cold and rainy while we were there. And uh, what you buy for 30, it's twice, maybe even almost three times the cost in Israel. And it says here that she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. And Luke, of course, is, is very, he, he's the best at giving you all the details. And there's a reason for every word that he writes. And of course, it's inspired of the Holy Spirit, but there's a reason that he said swaddling clothes. And I'll tell you about that in a second. Now there were in the same country shepherds li living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Again, not a mistake, over their flock by night because the caves would be higher up on, on the mountain and then they could see their flock below them and they could see danger coming from whatever direction. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. Now, the angel could have easily just said, Hey, listen, there's going to be a baby in a manger. Like, I, I promise you, on this evening in Bethlehem, there were no other babies laying in mangers. So why, why did the, the angel announce swaddling cloths? And, and why, why does Luke go on to record that Jesus was wrapped in swaddling cloths? And, and it's because the shepherds, see, the shepherds understood something that we don't understand. And I didn't know this until our, our tour guide that was there who is a Jew, he's not a Messianic Jew, he's just what we would call a secular Jew, has his master's degree in Israeli history and a very, very smart, smart man. And he was saying that the shepherds knew something that most people don't get. And you know how it was in the Old Testament for, for many, many years, hundreds and hundreds of years, they would take uh, these sheep and sacrifice them to the, to the Lord. And, and that sheep had to be spotless. It had to be without defect, without deformity. It had to be spotless. And, and we always just think, okay, it had to be a good sheep. It wasn't a maimed sheep. It wasn't a sheep that needed to die anyway. It was one of their good ones. And it even goes beyond that, that when they were going to present this, this lamb as a sacrifice, they would find a really the best lamb that they would have, and they would take it and they would wash the lamb because it not only had to be free from deformity or defect, but it also had to be physically clean. Now, you know what happens um, to animals once you clean them, they find it very easy to get dirty again, right? So in order, after they would clean this lamb, in order for this lamb not to get dirty before they would take it to the temple, they would actually wrap the lamb in swaddling cloths. No accidents in the Bible. 
And it was a way that the angels were telling the shepherds that, hey, you're not only going to find a baby, but you're going to find a baby that is wrapped in swaddling cloths because he is the perfect lamb of God. And he's going to be given as a sacrifice in the same way that you would prepare a sacrifice of, of your animal, so Jesus was prepared knowing full well that 33 and a half years later he would be crucified. He would be the ultimate sacrifice for us. He would take the weight of the world, the sins of the world upon himself, and he would die as the ultimate sacrifice because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus our Lord. Amen. And he was the ultimate sacrifice. Now, John, in his gospel, instead of putting the Christmas story right up front with its explanation, John actually weaves the Christmas story throughout the entirety of his gospel. It, 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 he weaves the story of Christmas and the purpose of Christmas throughout the entirety of the text that the Holy Spirit inspired him to write. And he writes this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Verse 9 says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Do you see how John is is weaving the Christmas story into his text. He says, there was a true light that John testified about, prophesied about, that true light was coming into the world. And then he says just a few verses later in verse 14, the Word became flesh, God became flesh, and made His dwelling among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, Jesus Christ, God's Son, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. So the eternal, the eternal Word of God, God Himself took on human flesh. And in doing this, He actually made the glory of God known to mankind. Like when people were looking at Jesus, they were looking at Emmanuel. God with us. They were looking at the visible glory of God, and the visible glory of God was full of grace and truth. And that's, by the way, the verse says, that's how we receive grace upon grace, because Jesus, God with us, full of grace and truth. Why did he come? 1 Timothy 1.15 says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Like everybody in this room should believe what is about to be said. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And that deserves, the Bible says, full acceptance. Full acceptance. And, and what that means is not... It's just not that I accept it fully. What's really saying is that all of us should fully accept it. All of us should fully accept it that 
that the fullness of humanity should accept this message that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And I, I want to show you something very quickly, that even though the very people he created were in rebellion against their maker, think about this, God the creator created mankind and his very creation was in rebellion to their maker. So he came into the world that he made, God with us, Jesus Christ, came into the world that he made in order to save those who were in active rebellion against him. Isn't that something? That's love. And, and just like the, 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 the father in this parable, in this video that we watched this morning, had every light on in the house and set them all outside to let his son know, I don't care, just come, just come to me, just come home. Can I tell you something? Just like that father who turned on every light, showing that he was ready to receive the rebellious, God sent his son, and John chapter 1, verse 9 says, the true light. He is the true light that gives light. He is the true light. Think about that. And that means that he's ready to receive the messy, the stained, and the rebellious. He's ready to receive them. Why? Because he's the light. In him there is no darkness. And he wants you to be in the light, to discover the light. And he wants to shine his light in you and for you to receive forgiveness. Why? Because he came in the world to save sinners. You might be sitting here today like this guy on, on the video and just saying, you know, I've done too much. I've went too far. God's not going to take me back. And there's something that I love to say here, and I've been saying it for years, and I'm going to keep saying it for years because we perpetuate the gospel of grace here at New Song. And it's this. The very thing that you think will keep you from God, the very thing that you say, I've done too much, I'm too stained, I'm too messy, I've been too rebellious, I'm just too far gone to come to Christ. Can I tell you, the very thing that you think should keep you away is the very thing that actually qualifies you for salvation. It actually qualifies you for grace. And you say, well, pastor, I have sinned a lot. Well, you're more qualified then. You're even more qualified for grace. Like you need it more and God wants to give it to you in abundance. Like you are so qualified for grace. And the Bible says that every person who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So your sin is not what keeps you from God. Your sin is what you realize in your life has kept you from God and you also realize that that's the reason that Jesus came. Because he knew you were going to mess up. He knew you were going to be sinful. He knew that you were going to be rebellious. And in the middle of our sin, he sent his son. 
knowing that our sin actually qualifies us for grace. See, if we could live the perfect life, there would be no reason for Jesus. But I don't know about you, but I, I can't do that. And I've proven that over and over and over again by my sins. I can't be perfect. It's not in me to be perfect. Ah, but Jesus in me. I've been made perfect. I've been made righteous. I've been made holy, not of my works, because of the, but because of the work of Jesus Christ, God's Son. The Bible says that we are now, once we, once we come to Jesus, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that we become right before God, that we become righteous. And it's the knowledge of your sin that should make you come to your senses and say, wow, I am a sinner in need of a savior. Jesus, I come to you. Save me. And Jesus always says yes. Every time. Every person, everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. My question for you is, have you received Jesus as Savior? Have you trusted Jesus as Savior? Have you, have you prayed a prayer, something like, Jesus, save me, forgive me? Have you prayed that? And if not, today's your day. We had so many people at the first service that prayed that prayer. This is your moment. I'd like everybody to stand up with me. Now I'm going to do something that my dad told me just a few days ago, maybe about eight or nine days ago now. He was talking about his funeral service, and then he's really talking about just leadership in general. And he told my brother something. He told my brother, he said, if you ever speak in front of people, especially at the memorial service that we just had on Thursday, he said, don't be long-winded. And my brother did great. I was proud of him. And he looked at me and he said, don't you repeat yourself. He said, when it comes to the altar, he said, you find your, with the altar call, when, when it comes to the salvation call, you just tend to repeat yourself. He said, just say it. Let the Holy Spirit do his work and then get out of it. And what he was really trying to tell me is that he was trying to say, Justin, this is not about you guilting people into heaven or manipulating people into the kingdom of God. Just let the Holy Spirit do his work. Give people a chance to accept the Lord Jesus Christ and leave the choice up to them. And if you're ready to come, then you can come. And that's exactly what I'm gonna do today. How many know my dad was a pretty wise man? And this is just your opportunity. I'm not gonna manipulate you, and, and, and I'm, I'm not gonna guilt you into it. I'm just gonna say, this is your moment to give your life to Jesus. And if you come to him and say, Jesus, forgive me, he always says yes. And if you have not received the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've not trusted him as Savior, if you've not called out to him and said, Jesus, forgive me, he's ready to do that right now. Would you close your eyes? Just nobody looking around. It, it, you go public with this at baptism, and we'll be baptizing people in a few weeks, but today's just a private moment between you and God. If you know that you're a sinner, if you know that you are stained 
if you know that you were messy, if you know that you've been rebellious, if you did things and you knew in your heart that they were wrong, and you know that you've disappointed God, you are qualified for grace. You are qualified for mercy. And God will save you if you just call out to him. And if you're ready to do that today, I want you to raise your hand up really high and show me who you are. Let me see you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. Yeah, lots of hands. Just going to give you one more chance. I'm not going to keep repeating it. <laughs> All right, I'm so proud of you guys. You can put your hands down. Thank you so much. So very proud of you. Now, we're, we're going to have a pastor tell you what to do next, but I'm just going to pray a prayer. And your words don't have to be exactly like mine. They can be whatever you want them to be. Just tell God what you want to say. Because God is not judging us by our words. He's judging us by our hearts. And he sees into our hearts. And he knows the attitude of our heart. So I'm going to pray a prayer. And then if you want to agree with me, that's great. If you want to pray your own prayer, that's fine too. But here it is. Jesus, I have made big mistakes I've committed big sins in my life. I am stained. I'm messy. Lord, you know I've been rebellious. I purposely did things that I knew were wrong. And I want you to know that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And I call upon you today, Jesus, save me. Forgive me, I pray. Be Lord of my life. And in this day, I surrender my life to you. And I thank you now, Lord, that because of this act of repentance, because of this act of faith, because of calling upon your name for salvation, for calling upon the Lord, I know that right now I am saved by grace through faith. I thank you, Father, that my sins have been removed from me. As far as the east is from the west, Lord, that's how much you love me. And that's how, that's how far my sins are from me. They have been thrown into the sea of forgetfulness, like your word says. And I have been washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. And through resurrection power, I now stand before you, Father, in right standing, not because of my works, but because of the work of Jesus Christ. And I want to say thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into the world. Thank you for being the Savior of all who would call upon you. Thank you for being the Lord and the light of life. I love you, and I worship you, and I honor you. Come on, new song. Let's just lift up our hands to the Lord and say, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into this world, for forgiving me of my sins, for calling lost people to yourself. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us the glory of God, for revealing to us the glory of God, for being so full of grace and truth that we would not turn away or deny you. Thank you for calling us to yourself. Thank you for saving every single person that calls out to you. We glorify you. We honor you. And we pray it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life. And we would love to continue on that journey. 
To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.